I'm really looking forward to Dan enlightening us on this, so brace yourselves for Revelation 19, verses 1 to 16. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitutes who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up for ever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, who, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
you'll know that that was uh, the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. And um, <clears throat> that was the King's College Choir at Cambridge. And, uh, but maybe that's not your style of music. Maybe you prefer Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it's one of those words which uh, it's just universal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, it's a compound word. It's a Hebrew word. It means um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, in the Old Testament, it, we see it in the Psalms. In the New Testament, it only comes in this chapter. Revelation 19. We have it four times. And they're singing hallelujah. No, they're shouting hallelujah. That hallelujah song that Patrick was praying. They shouted, the great multitude, hallelujah. Again, they shouted, hallelujah. And they cried, amen, hallelujah. And then, great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, hallelujah. But why, why are they doing that? Why are they saying hallelujah? Why are they saying praise the Lord? It's a song of it is a song of praise. And... Um, it's a very natural one, and it's who we are as God's people. We say hallelujah. But they're, they're singing hallelujah here because of God's judgment, because of his justice. It says, true and just are his judgments. We're singing hallelujah because he is true and just in his judgments. Now, we don't like to think about judgment. But as we've been praying about the injustices of our world, if there's no judgment, then life really isn't fair. We've been going through some bits in Revelation and reflecting on how this is a spiritual reality, reflecting what's going on for us now. But by the time we get to this chapter, Revelation 19, we're fast-forwarding to what is yet to come. And what is yet to come is a victory through judgment. It says here, he condemned the great prostitute. Now, before Revelation 19 is Revelation 18. Did you know that? Right? Just saying. And before Revelation 18 is Revelation... Thank you. 17. And in those two chapters, which admittedly we didn't read and, and you can look at, um, it talks about this great prostitute. Now remember, Revelation is, 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 is picture language. It's symbols. So this great prostitute is described as Babylon. Now, um, prior to our gig last night, we were talking about all the tunes we weren't going to play, and Agadu was on the list, and uh, <laughs> the Birdie song was on the list. Well, on the list could have been Rivers of Babylon, which um, was by Boney M, as we all know. Uh, but it's actually words from the Bible, right? Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we remembered Zion. Uh, and it's actually... It's made into a happy pop song, but actually it's a tragic song because 
they've been taken into exile by the Babylonians, who were the big empire at the time. At the time Revelation was written, what was the big empire of the world? It was Rome, wasn't it? If you ever get a chance to go to Rome, you can so see that. The ruins of, of, of ancient Rome, I mean, they're spectacular. You say, wow, this really was the centre of civilization back then. But with these great powers comes injustice, comes greed, comes uh, power at the expense of the oppressed, comes luxurious living while the rest of the world is starving. And, and all of Revelation 18 doesn't actually talk about prostitution or anything like that. It's actually about injustice and mostly to do with trade and mostly to do with um, uh, all, all the businesses that, 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 that uh, thrive in Babylon. It talks about the sea traders who weep when Babylon is brought down because all their trading has stopped. Woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple, scarlet, glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. Your merchants were the world's important people. All the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. Fallen is Babylon the great. And God brings justice when he brings down Babylon. When a whole city is raised to the ground, we cry out for justice. COVID showed us when, that when there's a will, there's a way. Actually, the world came together, worked really hard to produce vaccines. We now have 11 approved vaccines. I think this is a, I, I don't know what you think, but I think it's a miracle. And the vaccines have enabled us to have, to get back to normal, relatively. But something that you can't find in the news these days is the fact that Sub-Saharan Africa <coughs> mostly is lagging way behind in all the vaccines they've received. Uh, and you say, oh, well, it's complicated. Actually, it's not that complicated. A lot of it's to do with the greed of big pharmaceutical companies who are just not, not delivering on the, oh yeah, we'll give, no, then they haven't. It's to do with um, rich nations like ours stockpiling vaccines and letting them go out of date. I watched a Panorama program on it and it's, it's uh, we were all talking about the vaccine not that long ago, it's all we were talking about, wasn't it? Praying for a vaccine, it is a miracle. And yet, So much of the world yet to receive. We could talk about the environmental crisis. Where there's a will, there's a way. We could sort it out, couldn't we? And obviously steps have been made, but it's not about saving the planet, actually. The planet will stay. It's about the human race. <laughs> and it's the poorest who suffer the most. This is injustice. There is huge injustice in our world. And we have a God of justice. So hallelujah. Amen. Now, these are global issues, but it's also the small issues. It's the injustices that go on in your workplace. 
It's the domestic abuse. It's the things that nobody sees. We have a God of justice. Hallelujah. All heaven sings hallelujah because our Lord God Almighty reigns. Now, we don't like to talk about judgment, but actually, do you know what? Some Christians love to talk about judgment. And they love to talk about it because they think, great, God's a God of judgment. That means I can be really judgmental too. <laughs> and so, often, tragically, what the church has done is we've thought we need to do God's job for him. But we don't. Because just and true are his judgment. Let God do his job and we do what he's called us to do. Now, how does God judge? Well, ultimately, we are people who believe that Christ has died, Christ has risen, but Christ will come again. And he will come again in glory to do what? To judge the living and the dead. Christ will judge the living and the dead. How? When? We don't know. But Christ will judge the living and the dead. And we can trust him to do that. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a, a white horse. Now normally it's the, you know like the horses in the races, they have the funny names, Red Rum or whoever, you know, like Silver Bullet, I don't know, whatever. But it's not the horse that's actually that interesting here. It's the rider who has a funny name. And his name is Faithful and True. That is who he is. And he comes to judge. He will come to judge. With justice, we're told, he judges and wages war. Now, in Revelation, we've been, last few weeks, we've been thinking about Jesus who is the Lamb on the throne, the one who has sacrificed himself. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But here is Jesus on a horse, waging war. Eyes blazing fire, head many crowns. With justice, he judges. Now, when 2,000 years ago they were waiting for the Messiah, they were expecting a military leader to come who would come on his horse and deliver them and chase out the Romans. So when Jesus came, they didn't recognize him as the Messiah because he came riding on a donkey. He came humble. He came not to be served, but to serve. He didn't come to judge 2,000 years ago. He came to save. But when he comes again, he will come to judge. Now, he's still not the military leader that people hope for or expect. Even though he's riding on a white horse, the, sort of an animal of war in those days. He has a sword, but it's not in his hand. His sword is in his mouth. So he had a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. And as Tanya said, he 
is, his name is the Word of God. It's by his Word that he judges. He doesn't judge in a human way. Because the human ways of judging are wrong. He judges through his Word. His name is the Word of God. His mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. That's a reference to Psalm 2. We've heard that already. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. That's a reference to Isaiah 63. He is the fulfillment of God's judgment, but he doesn't do it like the world does. He does it by his word. Do you remember in creation, what did God do? He said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke creation into being. Jesus will speak judgment into being. It won't be like anything we've ever seen. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We have many scary political leaders. We have many kings throughout the nations and throughout history who have thought that they were unopposable. But Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he's the judge. So let's trust him. Now, we as God's people have been given authority. Again, we were thinking about that last week. We have been given authority, but it's not authority to judge. It's authority to love people. We've been given authority to heal people. We've been given authority to proclaim the good news to the poor and to the needy, to the oppressed. We've been given authority to proclaim Jesus is Lord, to proclaim that the kingdom is here. And yet, Christians often try to do God's job, but he doesn't need them to do it. But they don't do the job that God has called them to do, which is the authority he's given us, uh, for which he's given us the authority to do these things, to proclaim the gospel. You read Revelation, and it's kind of wild. And there's some scary stuff in there. You will be left scratching your head thinking, I don't know what's going on here. But I encourage you to hold on to what you do understand. And that is that he is faithful and true. That he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And even in the midst of all of this description of judgment, God bringing down this great prostitute, we have, that, that's a distortion of God's true intention. What is it? It's a wedding feast. Has anyone been invited to a wedding recently? You had that? It's a great privilege when you're invited to a wedding, isn't it? Fantastic. Do you think a little bit about what you might wear? You don't. He does. It's a great privilege, isn't it? It's a lovely thing to be invited to a wedding. Isn't it, Gail and Lee? Yeah. Yeah, newlyweds, relatively. <laughs> Weddings are wonderful things. And we are all invited to what? The wedding of the Lamb. 
Let us rejoice and give him glory. The Lamb has invited us to his wedding. We're invited. Do you want to know what your purpose in life is? It's to accept that invitation. It's to know as well that not only are you the wedding guest, but you're also the bride. That you are the beloved. And that Jesus is your lover. That is your purpose in life. To know that he loves you. <laughs> and that he calls you. He wants to woo his bride. So in the midst of this talk of judgment, the, thing, the reason this, this judgment is even there is because he's a God of love. And he is in the process of wooing his bride. He's in the process of wooing you. He's in love with you. And as Tanya said to us earlier, we think, nah, can't be true. <laughs> can't be me, can it? Yes, it can. And so I believe Jesus this morning doesn't want us just to hear these words, but he wants us to know them, the truth of them. We heard earlier that perfect love drives out fear. Now, is it just me that is aware of fear? I don't think so. Fear of what others might think about me. Fear of what tomorrow holds. Fear every time we pick up a newspaper or put on our switch on our smartphone. Fear of sickness. Fear of all sorts of things, financial uncertainty. But perfect love, the love of the bridegroom, drives out fear. So know that God has given you fine linen, bright and clean, to wear to this feast. He's calling you to make yourself ready. You are welcome. sing hallelujah for the Lord God almighty reigns Spirit is here. Invite him to minister the love of Jesus to you. Lord, we proclaim victory. We proclaim the hallelujah. We proclaim that there is justice in this world.
are true and just in your judgments and that you are faithful and true. So this morning, receive the love of God in Christ. Proclaim God's healing here in this place. Healing, binding up of the brokenhearted, healing of wounds. We just proclaim the freedom of the Holy Spirit in this place. We agree with heaven's agenda. We're confident in the love of God. And we proclaim your Lordship. And we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. Take your rightful place as we worship. And may we join with heaven.